tonight we're going to pick back up with our study in Proverbs. This is our, by my count, 33rd lesson in Proverbs on the heart. And uh, it was amazing. I was going through and I, I just started looking at some of the verses that we hadn't covered yet. And I said, boy, these two talk about the heart. And I hit the button and 90 verses in Proverbs came up dealing with the heart. 90 verses in 31 chapters. Uh, that tells us that there's a significant portion uh, of the book of Proverbs, and I narrowed it down to verses that we had not yet covered. And uh, we've got about uh, 40 or 45 verses here tonight that we're going to try to cover. And so we're going to have to move quickly, but uh, the first aspect of the heart that I would like to cover is... The heart, your heart, is a personal thing. It's private. There are things that go on in your heart that no one else but God knows about. And we need to be careful with our heart. And and the first verse goes right along with this. It says, uh, Proverbs chapter 14, uh, we've covered every verse in Proverbs 1 through 13, and we've covered every verse in Proverbs chapter 30. And uh, now we're looking at just closing in on little verses here and there. Uh, But Proverbs chapter 14, verse 10 says, The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. And let's look down to verse 13. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth, is bitterness. And uh, we, we put those two verses together and the, the heart knows what is going on. You can fool yourself. But when it's talking about our heart, it's talking about the base, uh, uh, the center of our decision making and all of this. And, and uh, maybe this would be an interesting place to throw this in. Uh, several years ago, uh, Brother Stevens, who was here for the uh, GIBF meeting, had asked me to preach on the transition of a church from pastor to pastor. And I thought, wow, that's going to be a tough subject for a young guy who's only been uh, at that time in the ministry less than 20 years and thinking about all of these things. And, and, uh, and, uh, but The heart is an interesting subject. The Bible tells us the church is the body. Jesus is the head of the body. He is the brain. He is the controlling substance. So where where would the preacher fit in? And kind of like changing a church, changing pastors is like a heart transplant. Really is. Uh, And... uh, they do a new thing when they transfer, when they transplant a heart today, they don't transplant the whole heart. There is a nerve center in the back of the heart that appears to be hardwired to your brain. And the reason why they started doing research on this was because the recipients of transplants, after the transplant, begin to develop new habits, hobbies, and taste that they never had before. But the donor who has died had those things in his life. 
and they found that there was a nerve center in the back of the heart. And when they do not, uh, what they do now is they cut the heart apart and leave that nerve center in there and literally sew that muscle back together again. And they find out that with the, with the same nerve center and a new heart, the new heart begins to get in step with the body, the new body it's in so much quicker. You see, there's a lot of things that we just don't know about our physical bodies or didn't know a few years ago that the Bible had in there all along. And the Bible tells us never to follow our heart, we're to follow the Word of God. Amen? But how many times have you put on a happy face and laughed? When all kinds of things were going on on the inside that just wasn't right. You know, that's the Bible. Solomon was talking about this a thousand years before Jesus was born. It's not new to the Bible, but it sure is new and amazing to us. Every time I take a few minutes for that, I always get people, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. Wow, that's neat. And and uh, the the truth is, Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Let's skip down there. It says, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. Now, how, how can you get more sound than that? I mean, it's just simple. If your heart is, the word is used here, is sound. That means it's clear. It's working together. It's... Uh, uh, well, uh, probably a good definition. How many of you have ever heard strange sounds come out of the piano? Every once in a while, my wife will come and she said, I don't know what's wrong, but the piano's making weird noises. And I found little slips of paper dropped down in on the soundboard, and they were vibrating strange ways. Uh, one time there was a pencil in there. It was laid across three or four keys, and every time they would hit the key, that pencil would bounce around and stop the other keys from working. And, and I mean, there were, uh, there's amazing things um, in this piano here. One time we had a weird sound, and uh, I, when we refinished the piano, I had left the old wooden peg that propped the, uh, uh, the soundboard or the cover there up. And it was just almost touching the steel uh, harp that holds the strings in place. And it was having a sonic resonance in there. And so, get out, screwdriver, take the thing out, throw it away. Amen? Uh, a sound heart means your heart is working correctly. It's complete. It's whole. If your heart is sound, guess what? It's the life of your flesh. You're doing good. But notice what it says here. It doesn't say an unsound heart is the rottenness of the bones. What does it say? Envy. But envy, the rottenness of the bones. Do you know what that's saying? An unsound heart is a heart that envies. A heart that is looking for things that is not satisfied, that is wishing bad things to happen to other people or somehow... Uh, good things to happen to you. It is the rottenness of the bones. It just 
It destroys the structure of your life. Um, you know, you can have all kinds of problems with your heart. But if you have envy, it's going to eat you up like a cancer. It, it is the sign of an unsound heart, according to this verse. That's what's being contrasted here. Let's skip over to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 1. Again, these are all private things that go on, and you know the answer. As you're sitting here tonight, your, your inner self, your heart is speaking, and you're, you're, some people are saying, yeah, I know that bitterness. My, my life is full of it. Other people are saying, no, my, I'm full of joy and nobody can turn me away. Uh, my heart is sound. Other people are saying, you know, I know there's some problems in there. And I just, I just don't know what to do to fix it. Well, hopefully we'll get some answers out of Proverbs tonight. Amen. And verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1 says, The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. There has got to be some communication going on. If you're saved tonight, if you're a Christian, there'd better be some communication going on in your heart with the Lord. Do you think that may be what Paul meant in 1 Thessalonians when he said, pray without ceasing? That there ought to be continually a communication from my heart to God back and forth. Some of, uh, some of us here, we know what that is to walk in that continual communication and fellowship, and we know what it is not to walk in that. And if you want your heart to be prepared, it doesn't come from you. It comes from God. And you've got to keep those communication lines open just like your heart has that nerve center that's wired directly to your brain. And it's not just making your heart beat and all of these things. I mean, have you ever thought what would happen to you if your heart didn't start beating faster as you walked up a flight of stairs? You'd pass out before you got to the top of the stairs. But your body is regulated to do all of those things, but it's also in your desires and in your thoughts toward other people, in your thoughts toward God. All of these things are in your heart, literally. And you need to pray and ask God and keep that communication open. Look at Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. This is a question all of us can answer in the negative. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Not a one of us can say that. But Jesus has. Amen? And then, strange verse... I'm not sure that the Lord had Nashville in mind when he had this verse written by Solomon, but uh, Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 20, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. And uh, the reason I said Nashville was, how, when's the last time you heard about a happy country song? 
Somebody said, oh yeah, we know that one, she writes really weird songs. Of course, they're always about breaking up with your boyfriend and somebody running off, but they're weird. I mean, they're not like some of the other ones. And I mean, these people have to write sad songs and they have to sing about all your problems. And you know what that says? That's like he that taketh away a garment in cold weather. I mean, Ebenezer Scrooge, move over. I mean, we've got another step of meanness going on here, of heartlessness. Is he that takes away a garment? I mean, often in those days, uh, if, if you did not have food, you wanted to provide for your family, many times you would take your outer garment and you could get uh, a loan on your garment. Now, what did the Bible say? That at the end of the day, that person was to return your garment at the end of the day. So you would have something to sleep with. And, and these verses are here. But it says, that stingy, heartless, cruel person that in cold weather would keep your garment away from you is the same kind of guy that sings songs to a heavy heart. Now, how many of you have ever poured vinegar upon nitre? taken baking soda and poured vinegar on it. That's basically what happens. Uh, don't ever do this. Uh, praise God. Uh, no one was injured. But a friend of mine, we did an experiment. We took one of those little glass bottles with a rubber eyedropper and filled it full of, of uh, baking soda and then poured the vinegar and screwed it up. That little black knob on there that you squeeze with got this big around but when it blew glass and everything went everywhere I mean it was it was the coolest thing no it really was stupid oh man had no idea how dumb that was until felt the little bits of glass come flying our way you know all you're going to do is get indigestion I mean, if, if you have a sour stomach, how many of you have ever taken a little bit of baking soda, put it in a glass of water and drink it to neutralize the acid in your stomach? Uh, it can do that, but uh, be careful. It'll blow you up like a balloon. Uh, it's just nonsense. And this is what people who sing songs to a heavy heart are. It's just nonsense. I remember having a teacher in high school and he said, music is a powerful thing. And he says, I cater to my moods. If I'm depressed, he says, I put on depressing music so I can really get into it. And if I'm happy, I'm sitting here going, you nuts, man. I mean, I was only a teenager, but I knew that there's one thing I don't want to do is cater to my moods. I want to improve them. Amen? And so, and all of this is in your heart. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24. There are some things that we have to do to protect and to guard our heart. Because our heart will go directions that God doesn't want it to go in. Look at verse 17. Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth. Now, every time, I mean, this is today's headlines, is it not? 
they, how many of you remember uh, Occupy Wall Street? We're the 99% and we want what the 1% have. Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth. And yet that's what it was all about. Yeah, 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 they're going to, that new mayor we got, he's going to tax the rich. Yeah, and he's going to put more of us poor people out of work too. You watch. Uh, that's what's going to happen. Rejoice not when thy enemy fall. You know why? Because your heart. There's just something in that human heart that says, <laughs> he got it. Oh, I love it. Now, why shouldn't we rejoice in our heart? Lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious, there's that word again, at the wicked. For there shall be no reward to the evil man, the candle of the wicked shall be put out. You know, these verses aren't that complicated now, are they? It's pretty simple. Don't let your heart go that direction. Because if you do, it's going to take you away from the Lord. It's going to take you to a place. And, and you know what? The Lord wants to punish the wicked. But when his children are jumping up and down and saying, Oh, he's finally getting it. Oh, God has given him a good spanking. God stops right there. Do you want to be the reason God doesn't give the evil people that live there just desserts? Hello? It happens in your heart. We've got to, we've got to, God does not want us as his children rejoicing at the sorrow of others ever. And we've got to guard against that. Because you're not God. Neither am I. It's not our duty. It's His. And if we don't keep our heart focused on Him, it's going to be focused on other things. If you're focused on pleasing your heart, let me tell you something, you're going places you don't want to be. You're going to be there. But if your heart is focused on, the, on God, what's the verse right before this? Read verse 16. We've covered this. We'll not take time. Just read it. For the just man falleth seven times and riseth again, but the wicked falleth into perdition. Guess what? Let's realize that, hey, it's not going to be too long before we stumble. Let's keep our eyes and our heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then we just kind of round this out to Proverbs 24, verse 12. says, and we'll probably cover this verse again. But if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart, considereth it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall he not render to every man according to his works? God is going to judge our hearts. He's going to judge what goes on, even if you're the only one that knows about it. We'd, we'd better mark that down. The heart's a private place. There's a lot of things that go on there 
that nobody else knows about. And we had better get it control and ask God to help us. The next subject is a merry heart. You know what? Uh, every time I read anything about the merry heart, I just think of Paul Roush. My wife always smiles. I mean, uh, my favorite little story was we had been working there for, uh, what was it? It was several, we worked with Brother Roush for a year. I was kind of like his part-time assistant at the school and taught other classes. And, and a couple of years later, his son came and worked there at the school and uh, I just had to, I said, John, is your dad always like that? Because Mr. Rouse would be walking down the hall singing a hymn and just directing the choir. In fact, he died directing some of the music he had written. Just That was just the man he was. He says, yeah, my dad's always that way. Makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> but I'll tell you, a merry heart is a wonderful thing. Let me read the verses here. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. You know, you could enjoy sardines and soda crackers if you got a merry heart. You can enjoy nothing. Folly is, him, folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart. And a good report maketh the bones fat. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. Now we have to be careful. Let's, let's put this in the context. See, it's not talking about a mirthful heart. Remember the, first, the second verse we read? Even in laughter the heart is sorrowful and the end of that mirth is heaviness. This is not just telling jokes. This is not somebody that just comes in and makes you laugh. A merry heart is merry. It's full of joy. Why? Because it's connected to the giver of joy, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. A merry heart is a heart that is satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a heart that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a heart that is completely trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell you what, we need a merry heart. We should have, of all people who live on this earth, people who know Jesus Christ and are convinced and are trying and striving to live Bible doctrine in a Bible-believing church, we of all people should have a merry heart. But you know what? It's hard to have a merry heart. Because we get distracted with everything around us. You know, maybe I ought to get my sermon on distraction now. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I am one of the most easily distracted persons in the whole world. It's just the way I am wired. And uh, I like working on two or three things at the same time because it gives you a great excuse for getting nothing done. Uh, the, the simple truth of the matter is a merry heart is an undistracted heart. It's one that is connected to God and it's a medicine 
that heals. Amen? Well, we've got a few verses on the king's heart. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21. Just get your fingers nimble here. Verse 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. So stop trying to straighten the president out. The king's heart's in the hand of the Lord. Let's look at Proverbs 22, verse 11. It says, He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. You want to be somebody that determines what goes on in this world in which we live. Love, pureness of heart. You know, one thing that so many counselors don't have is an, I mean, so many kings do not have is an honest counselor. You know, one of the reasons why uh, Hitler was absolutely guaranteed to fail because no one dared give him bad or information he did not like. He, uh, there were people who died because they gave him information that he disagreed with. The only problem was he was locked in a bunker and they were out in the field. They said that the uh, week before he killed himself, he was ordering divisions that didn't exist into battle positions to uh, defeat things. I mean, he was a total maniac. You, you want to be somebody that's important in your workplace. Have a pure heart. Be somebody the boss can trust. And you know what? It may not happen at first, but you'll eventually be a friend because they'll realize that you have truth and integrity. And a lot of people just don't have that today. Amen? Verse 25-3, The heaven for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. The heaven for height, the earth for depth, and the heart of kings is unsearchable. You know, I like reading autobiographies of our presidents. I like, I like reading the story that they want to write about themselves. It gives you a completely different perspective. How many, no, let me just give you this fact. The primary source of ozone, you're talking about ozone that destroys the atmosphere and all this. How many know or knew before I make this statement that the primary source of ozone in the atmosphere is pine trees? How many of you knew that? Uh, do you want me to tell you, President Reagan knew that? It was in his biography, and he was sitting there complaining at these environmentalists because the primary thing that they want when the strip miners come through is to plant pine trees. And that is one of the things that is causing all of this global warming and problems that we have is because they're too lazy to plant real trees uh, over top. And 
It's the environmentalists that are demanding these things and causing some of the problems that we have. What I'm simply saying here is, I'd never had any clue. Where in the world did he get this information? Let me tell you, when God chooses men to be kings, he gives them, he gives them stuff that you and I just don't understand. He gives them abilities that we need. And so stop trying to get second-guess the king. Is, is what this verse is talking about. Stop thinking that you know more than they do. Now, sometimes that's hard to do when they do really dumb stuff now, isn't it? But there are other things behind the reasons why they do that. So stop trying to search the heart of the king and set your heart upon the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it'll keep you and me out of an awful lot of trouble when I won't it. And by the way, there is an application at the, at the workplace and, and dealing with your boss and all people in authority. You know, sometimes you just don't know as much as you think you do. Stop trying to figure out what everybody else's heart is doing. Pay attention to your own and, and it's going to solve a lot of problems in this life. The wise heart. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 16 and 23. Let's see here. I've only got a page and a half to go. I think we're going to make it. 16.23 here. And uh, that verse says, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. You know what? There is a little bit of truth in that follow your heart thing, but make sure your heart is wise before you follow it. And, and how do you get a wise heart? From the word of God. Amen. It's training your heart. It's from being connected to the heart of God. Proverbs twenty three nineteen. Hear thou, my son, and be wise. Guide thine heart in the way. There is work that you need to do. Proverbs twenty seven nineteen says, As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. You know what that's saying? Other people are going to understand what's going on. You think you can hide your agenda. You, you think you can uh, put icing over the poison. Uh-uh. There are people that know what's going on in your heart. That's why you got to start in your heart to get it fixed. Amen? If your heart's right, it says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful what? Countenance. If your heart is merry, guess what? Your face is too. But you can have a happy face and a sad heart. We've already studied that verse. And so let's ask God to work. There is a wicked heart. Let me just read the verses for you. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Even though a proud-hearted person joins up with a right-hearted person, both are still going to be punished. That's what that verse says. Stay away from the proud heart. Uh, that was Proverbs 16.5. Proverbs 17.20. He that hath a froward heart findeth no good, and he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. You know, if, if all you can see 
his badness in the situation. That ought to be one of them little red lights going, boop, 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 something's wrong. Because that's a froward or a perverse heart. Let's, let's get that heart back in tune with the word of God. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Your heart can be moved by things. It can be, uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 23, just two passages here, actually three, and we'll be done. Proverbs 23. And if we were doing a section on wine, this would probably be one of the main sections we would attach to. But uh, what I've called this, wine affects your heart. Wine makes your heart do things. Look at verse 29. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? And did Solomon know what he was talking about or what? How many of you have seen someone, life full of sorrow and pain, fighting, babbling to themselves, they don't know why, where they are, why they're there, red eyes, big red nose, he didn't put the red nose in there. It says, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup. When it moveth itself at right, isn't that what all those wine testers do? They sit there and they look at it and they smell it and they slosh it around in the cup. Solomon knew about that. But look what he says. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Look what it says. And thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Do you get that? How many of you have ever been seasick? Tell you what, it just never ends. I mean, you feel like you got to die to get better. I mean, it's it's a terrible thing. I I hate being seasick. It just goes on and on and on, and it just like time stops, and every hey, that's what a drunken man is like. That's what a person whose heart has been numbed by alcohol is like. And what do you do? Well, it wasn't so bad. Let's go do it again. I think I've told the story of Joe. When I was in high school, my first uh, real job was pumping gas at a gas station. I worked with a guy named Joe. He'd come in Saturday morning. Uh, Just the way it's described here. Oh, oh, he said, I know I I had to have a great time last night because I feel so sick this morning. 
said, the sicker I am, the better time I must have had. Boy, that's dumb. But you know where that comes from? It comes from a heart that has been numbed and trained to do those things. We, we have got to make sure that our heart isn't allowed to go that direction. It will if you let it. Let's go to Proverbs uh, chapter 24. We're, we're right there. And verse 1. Be thou not envious. There's the word envy again. Against evil men, neither desire to be with them. For their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. Through wisdom is an house building, and by understanding is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. Now we've got just this little section here. It says, don't be envious at the evil man. You know what? It's easy to look at what people have and say, yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool to win the lottery, drive around in a limo and have all that money. And yeah, Read the rest of the story. Most people who have a big lottery winning end up poorer than when they started. If they don't end up poor, they end up dead. And I mean story after story. How many people looked at John Gotti and said, wow, it would be nice to wear suits like that and walk like... No, it would not be nice to die of cancer in a federal prison in Springfield, Missouri that I used to drive past every day on my way to work. Let me tell you, don't be envious because... The wicked men out there, it says, here's what it says about them. Their heart studieth destruction. You know why they can destroy people and have the power they do? It's because that's what their heart is all about. Guess what? God's coming. And they won't be strong when he comes. Amen? Now let's go to Proverbs 26. And we're going to do 23 through 28. Just kind of picture, catch up these little passages that we haven't covered yet. Let's go, this is verse 23 through the end of the chapter here. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair... Believe him not, for there are seven abominations, where? In his heart, whose hatred is covered with by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Now, Burning lips and a wicked heart. What's that talking about? It's talking about somebody that has a wicked heart. It's just got to talk, 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 talk. That's what it's talking about. 
Now, how many of you know what a potsherd is? Potsherd is a broken piece of pottery. Now, what did you do with a broken, what can you do with a broken piece of pottery? Well, read the story of Job. What did Job do when he had all these wounds and, and running sores? He, he took a potsherd, a broken piece of pottery, and he was scraping away the ooze from the source. Well, a piece of potsherd covered with silver dross, do you know what that would do? That is the uh, waste product when you refine silver. Give you blood poisoning and kill you just like that. It's saying, it is burning lips and a wicked heart are deadly. It will kill you from the inside out. And it says, he that hateth dissembleth with his lips. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, because there are seven abominations in his heart. And those abominations are going to be working It says they can cover it with deceit, but it's going to be showed before the whole congregation. They're going to be made plain. Um, How about, uh, uh, this is a dangerous name to say in public, but uh, just read Eliot Spitzer into verse 26. He was a hateful, vengeful man. But his dirtiness and his wickedness brought him down from the governor. He can't get elected. Dog catcher. If you dig a pit, guess what? You're trying to lay a trap for someone, it's going to get you. If you roll a stone, how many of you have seen the old Wiley Coyote Roadrunner cartoons from when you were a kid? Sitting there, he's going to roll the stone down the ramp and it comes back on him. That's a perverted illustration of this verse right here. But the simple truth of the matter is, if you're trying to lay traps for other people, guess who gets caught in them? You will. You see, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. Guess what? Somebody's telling lies about you. Understand something. They hate you. Get away. Don't hang around people that hate you and give them opportunity to hate you more. Understand what's going on. But the worst one is the one that flatters. They're going to ruin you. Listen, there's an awful lot that goes on in the heart. But... Here's the one thing I hope you got out of every verse. No matter how private it is in the heart, if it's there, it's coming out here. If it's there, it's coming out here. And what comes out is going to be what's in the heart. And if you have a good heart that is connected to God, good things are coming out. If you have a wicked heart, guess what? You're going to destroy yourself. Maybe a whole lot of other people too. 
But God is not going to reward you. He is going to, he is going to judge the wicked heart. And you can cover it up any way you want to. But it doesn't get you one bit of good with God. A lot of verses in Proverbs. 90 verses on the heart. And we just covered about 45 of them tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would work in our hearts. That we could serve you honestly and sincerely according to your word. Lord, that we would be honest with what's going on in our hearts and seek your forgiveness and your grace that we may serve you in these last days. Lord, let's just... We just ask you to work privately in each of our hearts. That, Lord, corporately we could experience the joy and the love that you want us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just let the pianist play if they...